Well, highlights long ago and uh, lots of highlights today at Ohio Stadium, uh, Mr. Spielman, as we record this episode six of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We're fresh from a 45-21 Ohio State victory over Florida Atlantic. It sure looked like it was uh, going to be easier than it ended up early, but it was still easy. And I think uh, I'd give uh, the Buckeyes as a whole a B plus. Yeah. And I would give Justin Fields, the quarterback, an A. I'd absolutely give him an A. And you think about a debut for a quarterback and. I know that he's coming in here with so much fanfare, but it's really difficult for a guy to get game speed mm-hmm. in college. You know, we don't have the preseason in college like they have in the NFL. And for Justin, I thought he was solid. Ryan Day talked about this in his press conference, and the thing I was impressed with, and it's the first note that I wrote on my immediate thoughts after the game, mm-hmm. protected the football. Yeah. I mean, the, the pass behind J.K. Dobbins, he could have been a little bit more on target, but that's certainly catchable. Yeah. And avoidable. The lateral pass yeah. you're talking about. Uh, I, I thought this was a classic example of a team that was scared to play Ohio State at first. <laughs> yeah. Then they realized, wait a second. They were expecting the worst, and they got We're going to get embarrassed yeah. here if we just play football. And I thought Lane Kiffin settled in and did some nice things um, on offense to, to get them going. But oh, the defense was tremendous the first half. I thought the offensive line was really good in the first quarter. Really good. I mean, I was... I just I made a note to myself, oh, my gosh, these guys look like they've been playing together for years. Then what uh, FAU started to do was they started to give them different looks and different fronts, and mm-hmm. those are very difficult to simulate in practice. So you're kind of trying to learn and adjust on the run in between each series. And what was happening with the offensive line, it was, it was four guys would do their job. One guy wouldn't, so it makes all five guys look bad. That's, yeah. that's what we're used to. And the other thing is, and, and I suspected this because I saw some guys come free for FAU, was that there was miscommunication on pass protections. Uh, the, 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 everybody, the, the running backs, the offensive line, the quarterback, the receivers, everybody has to be in sync on what type of pass protection you're going to be in. So they weren't necessarily physical errors. Mm-hmm. There were some mental errors, which can be expected. But just reading Twitter and, and hearing from a few fans, you know, they're, it's almost like they're down a little bit. I mean, well, I, I, I get so. that. I get that. Why? Here's why. I think last year we grew to become frustrated by uneven performance throughout a game. Fast starts or very slow yeah. starts, and then, oh, okay, they catch the momentum and stuff. And we were, I mean, the first quarter, great. And I know you can't score every time and all that six or seven or eight possessions where you don't score. I thought it was was perhaps an opportunity. I want to know strategically what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Second half, Buckeyes come out first series. I think they've got a third and eight-ish, third and seven-ish. They're up comfortably in the game. Florida Atlantic's not going to win the game. Right. What do you think about going for it there at maybe midfield to sort of energize your team? If you don't get it, then the defense is energized, the crowd's energized. I just thought maybe they needed something to, like, jumpstart them. Well, I'll tell you what they did do to jumpstart. And when they were most efficient and effective, I, I think, is when they go up-tempo. Now, that can wear on a team. And if you're uh, – that's when they're in rhythm. Uh, that's when they're running the football. That you're When you go up-tempo – I agree you could go for it on fourth town against a team like Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I think in a game you're yeah. not going to lose. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with you to get right. to your point. But I'm, you were, I was thinking about, you know, yeah, boy, this now we're sloppy. Why? Yeah. How can we look like the world's best team ever? Yeah. Then come Ohio State, start looking sloppy. 
And I thought Ryan Day made a nice adjustment by going up-tempo, and his team is very efficient going up-tempo because you eliminate thought in your defense. If you're going up-tempo, they know you're going up-tempo. What they have to do is get aligned because they can't afford not to be aligned correctly, or you'll exploit those mistakes. And one good thing we know about Justin Fields is the fact that he can hit wide-open receivers, and he, he can, can see the mistakes and be able to throw the football. Even the first quarter, the offensive line, the pass protection was outstanding. I do think he's playing just a um, – and I, I think this will be addressed a little bit nonchalant sometimes, almost too easy in that pocket for me. The other thing, obviously he had the 51-yard run, which was a great run. Uh, to me, I thought he was – this might be crazy, but and maybe we'll see it as the year progresses or in tougher games – I thought he would be a little bit more of an explosive runner, and I don't. I, wow. I'm not. I'm not sure that I see that. I thought he made good decisions on getting down and protecting himself. Uh, the 51-yard run, I, I think, quite frankly, you could have scored on that. Yeah, I think you, so. You know, they, he didn't get touched. But, and so, uh, we know I, he's fast enough. I want to see that explosion and burst. And I'm not sure that I saw that yet. So you mean away from people, like yeah, yeah, uh, just kind of shifty, shaky, and, okay. and we'll see. Uh, but he has to protect himself, and, and for that, good decision-making. The other thing that really stood out. Can I do some uh, housekeeping before yeah, we get sure, into that? Because we got a lot of Justin Fields stuff we're going to do. Yep. We're going to hit on Zeke Elliott, which the reports are he may sign this weekend, the former Ohio State running back. Uh, we'll get to some things. Uh, one thing I thought very interesting, Joel Klatt said during the telecast, this is the Spielman and Hooley podcast. It's episode six. Uh, we've been blown away in our first week by the response that we've had from all of you. Uh, thank you for that very much. You can uh, find it on your favorite podcast platform. You can find it on our website, SpielmanandHooley.com. We are working on getting video, so we'll have a live YouTube channel. We have the channel. We're just trying to figure out the best way to get the video with the least amount of labor involved. So we got a lot coming on uh, in future weeks, and we appreciate you joining us on this new journey. You can follow Spiels on Twitter at Chris underscore Spielman. You can follow me at B. Hools. Okay, um, you were talking about Justin Fields, and I was I – was, when he went on the 51-yard run, we sort of were like, uh, when Kevin Wilson said he's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen, we said he never saw Mike Vick. I thought Justin Fields was very fast. Now, there's a difference between fast and explosive. Yeah. He's very fast. I don't think anybody's going to catch him in the open field. Um, and I thought your other point that you made just now about he's got to stay away from trouble and stay away from contact, he took a big shot from number 36, uh, Leroy. Uh, Leroy. He was one of their really good defensive players. Um. And you mentioned Justin Fields tends to relax in a pocket and get a little cavalier maybe. Yeah. If you do that against Wisconsin, against Michigan State, against some of the harder-hitting teams in the Big Ten where every guy can bring it, the one thought I had in the first quarter was, boy, he's exposed a lot, and it does seem to me a bit pie in the sky to think he's never going to get nicked and have to leave a game. Well, uh, he's a big, strong kid, and he's proven that he can, he can take a hit. Uh, I, I think sometimes, too, and this is purely nitpicking, and I want to – I preface this by saying that for a debut for an Ohio State quarterback, I don't think you could have played better. Uh, and not in the first quarter. I, I mean, sure. we're now we're nitpicking uh, on little things. I, I I do think that he's going to be more of a factor in the running game as as we move forward, and there's more of a competitive defense that they're playing against. Although you know, again, Florida Atlantic did a decent job in the, in the second half. Um, I just think that there's plenty of room for improvement. And I saw that I, just by reps, and Ryan Day was in his press conference, and he said this, there are 74 plays. He would love to have Justin Fields get 174 mm -hmm. plays. He's only going to get better. Because 
next week. Luke. Luke Fickle's yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Cincinnati Bearcats had a very impressive opening win. Boy, UCLA's got a long way to go. So I, it's not like beating UCLA back in the Terry Donahue days. No. But that's an impressive win for Luke Fickle. Uh, they were good defensively. They were balanced offensively. And that's why Ryan Day's worried, because he knows Luke Fickle knows a, a lot about how Ohio State thinks. Yeah. And maybe with some of the new coaches, not as much of what Ohio State does. But, man, Luke is going to really have his Bearcats excited as if Cincinnati would not already be excited to come and have a chance to knock off Ohio yeah. State and Columbus. I, I think it's it's uh, a game that's going to be worth watching uh, by and or if you can attend attend. You know, here's here's a, uh, a thing that's remarkable to me from Ohio State offense and why you'll see the continued improvement of Justin Fields. The talent at receiver is so good mm. and so deep and uh, just the route running ability, the to run waves of guys, to run entire defensive backs and bring a fresh wide receiver in there. And they all made catches. And one of the best things that Justin did today was he made the ball where it was so easy for these guys mm -hmm. to catch it and then transition because the ball was on target from uh, catch to run was smooth and easy and effortless. But overall, uh, uh, I, the, def the offensive performance was inconsistent. It, when it was good, it was really good. When it was bad, it was really bad. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised. I thought the defense was outstanding. Uh, Chase Young mm -hmm. is as good Ooh, as advertised. He is the good. Kid that, who's the other kid that played the... Uh, Sean Cornell. Cornell. Other end. <laughs> yeah, he was really I good. mean, yeah. <laughs> tremendous. And, and, you know, they and the inside guys were really good. I thought the linebackers played really well. And I know this guy maybe is taking some heat, but I'm telling you, man, Pete Warner is, is a... You like him. He's a yeah. really good football okay. player. He's a big guy that can cover tight ends. And why I like him, because he's pretty effective against the run. And when he's playing on Florida Atlantic's number 40, uh, the best player on Florida mm -hmm. Atlantic's mm -hmm. offense, mm -hmm. he's doing a good job of running him and, and, and playing uh, uh, solid coverage. One of the questions that we had on Twitter, Bruce, was this. Mm -hmm. What do I think of the the new zone defense and the man defense? Mm -hmm. Urban remarked about that. That, yeah. that was that I was different. Urban said that at halftime. Well, there's a there's a there's a place for both, and there's all kinds of zone defenses, and, and it was really to me uh, the the advantages of playing zone is you have your eyes in the backfield and you have your your behind guys you can break on the football. There's matchup zones, which I am a big fan of. So. You're playing zone, but if somebody comes in your zone, you convert the zone into man-to-man. -man. When it's third and one, third and two, third and three, third and four, you have to play man. Mm -hmm. Because what Florida Atlantic did in the second half, understanding that they're playing a lot of the three deep zones, something that Urban was talking about over the phone, where uh, they're just rising up and throwing a two-yard, two- or three-yard hitch, a guy falls forward for five yards. So there's all kinds of different things. I thought it was a pretty darn good defensive performance. They had negative rushing yards or negative yardage on offense into the third quarter. Uh, I'm very excited about this defense. I think the defense is much more explosive. Uh, they play faster. It looks to me like they're playing a lot faster than they did last year. And I would say, too, if you're worried about Florida Atlantic scoring you know, in the second half. And in fact, at one point in time, it was, you know, I take out the 21 point first, 28 point first quarter, it was 14 to 14. Yeah. I would say, you know, this is the first time these guys have had this scheme in a game and they're playing this scheme. And as much as they practice it and as much as they rep it, they will get faster at it, better at it, more well, adept at it. And I think, you know, we'll see more improvement as the season goes on. Their along. last touchdown was against all backups. Yeah. So yeah. let's not get too excited or, 
Uh, the defense was really impressive. What I give the offense to be, I give the defense a quite an A minus. I really think the they, twenty-one for Florida Atlantic. Okay, it's fourteen because the second teamers gave up yeah. a touchdown. Two field goals and a touchdown does not worry you. No, not okay. at all. Okay. No, I I think the talent is so good on this defense. The guys that really impressed, uh, I thought were the corners. I thought played really well. Arnett and uh, Akuda. Akuda. Yep. In the inside interior, I knew the outside guys were going to play well. I knew the linebackers were going to play well. To me, it was an interior defensive lineman that, that played really well because they're defeating blocks, and, you know, they're playing with great effort, and the luxury of the depth that they have is, is amazing. I wouldn't panic about the offensive line because if at times they weren't dominant, then I would panic. But if we're going to criticize – when this offensive line struggles, you better criticize or hype up the times when they were dominant. And at times throughout that game, they were dominant. And another another shout-out I want to mention is Master Teague. I think he is going to be a factor moving forward. And the more reps he gets, mm -hmm. the more explosive he can because he runs with some serious power. I liked him in the spring game a couple yeah. of years ago. I He's remember had that. some injuries, yeah. uh, and he is uh, stuck in here. Um, you know, they've had a few backs transfer. And he's here, and I think, you know, he's a nice compliment to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, so let's go to Justin Fields. Uh, yeah. I said I give the team a B plus. I give Justin Fields an A for a debut. I thought he was extremely solid. Uh, I will say he's every bit the runner that uh, I was told he was. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think he's a really good, <laughs> okay. I think he's a really good runner. I th here's the thing that I think is a, is a benefit. As I look at the Ohio State offense as a whole compared to last year. Last year, you didn't have to honor Dwayne Haskins on the zone read. You well, until the second half of the season, yeah. and he became more effective. After Maryland, again. I think. Yes. Once Tate Martell started getting some of those snaps, <laughs> and he realized, yeah. I guess I'll stick my nose in there. But you definitely have to honor Justin Fields. I mean, he is a big timer. I wondered if we would trade last year where you didn't really have to honor him, honor the quarterback on the zone read for, you know, we can maybe be a little bit lacks in some of our coverages because he might not be that good of a thrower. You said it early. He can hit the open receiver, and he's got a big, strong arm. He and does. I think coaching, coach, being coached by Ryan Day, being coached by Mike Yursich, he's only going to get better at that, and good receivers make you look good, and boy, does he have a lot of good receivers. Here's where I was totally wrong, and because I didn't see him much. Well, he only in had the, 17 career yeah, starts in high in, school. In the preseason... That's amazing, by the way. 17 he, starts. He, I mean, his future is bright. Yeah. I was under the impression that he was a better runner than thrower. And today, I was more impressed with his throwing of the ball than running. There was one pass where he kind of rolled out to his right, was in the first half. Uh, I forget who caught the ball, but he had to really step into the – like fire one in between and throw mm -hmm. a guy open, basically. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, he didn't have to throw a guy open. The other impressive pass – that I thought was a third and 11. It was to Austin, Austin Mack on, the, one uh, I was gonna on the FAU sidelines. Uh -huh. It was a little inside, but Austin Mack and the great uh, talent that Ohio State has goes up and makes a uh, great catch. But that ball had some zip on it. So. It and it was where and only accurate. he could get it. Yep. The corner, even though the corner made a nice play, got his hand yep. in there. Austin Mack made a uh, great play hanging onto the ball. But you want that ball up high so that if the corner makes a, an all-world break on it, he can't intercept it and yeah. take it back. It was right where it needed to be. Well, he understands, too, when you have 6'2 or 6'3 going up there that can play at 6'8 or 6'9 when he gets with his wingspan and gets mm -hmm. off the ground. So, And the tight ends played well. So there's a lot to be. I thought the kicking game was solid. The coverage was solid. 
there's so much to be excited about, and I get it that people, uh, boy, it's a lack, lackadaisical win. They didn't finish off, and, you know, Ryan knows that. Ryan Day knows that as much as anybody. But uh, Joe Klatt and Gus Johnson, they made a, a great point when they said this will give Ryan Day something Teaching. to be ticked off about. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect win. Because but inside, you, he'll be smiling. You show, you can, he can stand up there in front of the team this week, and he probably will, and say, look what we're capable of. First quarter, that's what we're capable of. Man. Uh, if we don't pay attention and keep our effort, and his word is toughness, he uses it all the time. If we don't do that all the time, then the second quarter is who we become, and we make ourselves vulnerable. And a team like Cincinnati is going to take advantage of that vulnerability if we show it to them. So he's got an opponent, A. Here's the things he has to teach off of in week two. He's got an opponent that you have to pay attention to because they're coached by a former coach here. Uh, he's got mistakes from game one. He's got no injuries, so he doesn't have to fill personnel holes. And he's got success. The team should believe in the quarterback. So he's got a lot of good things trending up as they get ready to play Cincinnati next Saturday at noon. Uh, the other thing they need to get in, in, in check quickly is pass protection because that was shoddy and inconsistent. At times it was really, really good. At times it was porous. So there's a lot of great things. The tackling, I thought, was pretty good for a first game. You know, normally we see in a first game a lot of missed tackles. I thought everything was pretty darn solid on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, Justin is only going to get better and better and better. And I got to tell you, without really seeing him, he was better than I thought he was. Uh, he was better than I thought. He was more complete than I thought. Yeah, that's be. a good way. He please. was more complete. And there are going to be times where he's going to have to be a factor running the football. And I know he can do it. Um, I made the statement on our last podcast, and I'm going to retract it. I said that he's a better runner than JT Barrett. I don't know that to be true. Okay. I don't know that to be true. I do think we will find out because there will be games this year where he is going to have to be uh, a runner of the football, an effective runner of the football, and for this offense to uh, operate at its full capacity. We can't tell yet if he can read the zone read like JT Barrett. The only thing I could say about his running ability relative to JT Barrett's running ability is he's definitely faster than JT Barrett. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, JT was pretty fast. JT could get caught from behind. I don't think Justin Fields is getting caught I, from behind. <laughs> yeah, I, just because he's faster, I don't know if he's better. That's a fair statement, but I'm just saying what I see is he's faster than JT Barrett. I mean, what what did you see that you thought made him so fast? I just thought when he just got on that when he got yard. loose on that 51, I'm like, wow, he can open it up. Really? Because yeah, it didn't look I thought, like well, I thought he's it was probably moving impressive. a lot faster than I thought because it didn't look like he was moving that well to okay. me. We we have a lot of varying opinion on this we game. Do. We do. But uh, how'd you yeah, think the okay. linebackers played? Did you watch them enough to have I, a? You know, I. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't begin to grade them like you can. Because right. you have such well, an mine's only an initial impression, though, not a film grade. Uh, I thought they did not. I, what I didn't see was guys turning and running and chasing people, you know, which I saw a lot last year. I didn't see the other team getting big plays. But I can't dive all in. It's FAU. You know, even, sure. though, it's, even though it's Oregon State a year ago, it is a Power 5 school. And I'll say it in advance. Even though Cincinnati, we think, is a pretty good team, and a lot of people think Cincinnati could be the – Power, the non-Power 5 that breaks in, they're not a Power 5. Ohio State does not play a Power 5 non-conference opponent. So eh, what do we? when we get to the meat of the Big Ten schedule, then our questions will all be answered. But I think if you're looking at scenarios where 
Are there any red flags for this team? I don't see red flags for this I team. I do. Okay, what? <laughs> the inconsistency and it, what can be expected, but I think that's um, con- when you get up twenty-eight nothing. I mean, everybody's attention span. Yeah, that's just human nature. Now, I mean, you can drill it out of them. Yeah. But I just don't think, I mean, they're not going to fall asleep in the first quarter against Wisconsin or Michigan State, I wouldn't think. It's a more fair statement for me to say that the potential of this team is unlimited. This is definitely a playoff contending football team. Definitely. Definitely. But just as easily, if they lose focus like that so because somebody's rattling some keys somewhere and they turn their head, you play against a good team, it's not going to happen. And And... That's what scares me a little bit. And they're still young, though. I mean, they're young on the offensive line. They're young inside. They're young at quarterback. Mm, and so good. there's a lot of good things to take from it. Overall, though, for Justin, couldn't have a better performance, in my opinion. I, I really, well, you I, take, as uh, a coach, eight, too. Eight, 18 of 25, 234, four touchdowns every week. I think they'd take that. Well, plus one on the ground. Plus the their, their balance uh, offensively, rushing and, and passing was close to, I mean, they were you obviously want 250 232 passing and 237 rushing. so that's about as good as Pretty it gets good. and yep. so there it's it's a really good win the one thing i worry about is the communication along the offensive line and lo- lo- losing the killer instinct the other thing that is very important because i do think it'll be um utilized throughout the season is the fact that when they run the up-tempo offense and they're getting to the ball in a hurry, you notice after they get eight or nine yards or if they get a first down, they'll run up to the ball really quick and run another play. I think they utilize that well today. They're only going to get better at doing that, and you need to have that to be an effective uh, offense in college football today. All right. Uh, Spiel and Hooli podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, on any of your favorite platforms, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Google Play Music. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Behools, at Chris underscore Spielman. Hit our website, SpielmanandHooley.com. New website for Ohio State fans is maven, M-A-V-E-N, dot I-O backslash Ohio State. So that's kind of a new rival scout. All the content is free. I'll be writing some for that and nice. uh, posting videos, and the podcast will be posted there as well. Maven, M-A-V-E-N, dot I-O backslash Ohio State. All right, let's. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a statement Joel Klatt made, and we're guessing because I don't know what he meant. He didn't really say what he meant. He just said that uh, from hanging around the program this week, things feel differently with Ryan Day relating to the players. He said it feels differently. The vibe, I guess that's the best term I can put it, the vibe around the program is different with Ryan Day than Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer's sitting right there in the studio in L.A. probably listening to everything Joel Klatt's saying. What do you think Joel Klatt meant by the vibe? What do you think he means? The only thing I could think of, but it doesn't make any sense to me because all these guys, whether the coach is Ryan Day, whether the coach is Urban Meyer, whether the coach is me, their primary goal is to get to the NFL. I do think under Urban, it was a Darwinistic survival of the fittest get to the NFL mentality, and I don't know if they – if you asked them in their heart of hearts who they were playing for, I think they just said, I'm playing for me to get to the NFL, and I'm playing for Ohio State second. Much in the way that I always thought Pete Rose with the Reds was playing for himself. I think it's possible to play for yourself and not hurt your team. It doesn't mean you're selfish, because look, if you do well, your team's yeah. going to do well, but football is the ultimate team sport. That was the only thing I could think that he meant, was that maybe Ryan has these guys playing more for Ohio State and with Urban, they were playing for the NFL. And if you're going to get the NFL, you got to really play well, which benefits Ohio State. A subtle difference, but that was what I thought. He All made. right. I mean, obviously, that you put some thought into that, and I think it's a good thought. I think it's a 
an incorrect thought, nonetheless. <laughs> but I think it's a good thought. Um, you're not going to know until the NFL thing is tested because if they're not going to the playoff for the national championship game and guys are tapping out, I don't say that in a derogatory way. There's, yeah. you know, I, I'm done. I got to get ready for the NFL. I don't want to get hurt in some meaningless game. A lot of these guys came back, though, who, if Urban's like here, who? Fuller, Arnett, and, and what? Devon Hamilton? You know where they'd be Landers? right now? You know where they'd be right now? Free agents? They'd, they'd be, uh, yeah, okay, hope, but the, hoping somebody I, signs that after being cut. And I don't doubt, I, I don't doubt you're wrong, but it's never stopped guys from leaving before. Who left early so that's just, been cut? No, I just think it's a guy's draft position. There have always been guys who leave, and people go, oh, he should have come back for another year. Yeah. But I don't know. I just here's maybe a, maybe playing for Ryan, here's what you I, get to take I, yeah. a deep breath now and then. I, I, I think here is, and I'm not saying one way is better than the other, and this is purely speculation on my part. Oh, and mine as well. I think playing for Urban and coaching for Urban is – difficult and it's mentally trying mm -hmm. you better be mentally tough or you will not last yeah. but that being said he trains you to handle every situation possible everything every day every moment is a competition and urban will tell you about that everything was a competition sure. that was his philosophy and it was a philosophy that made Urban Meyer ar arguably one of the top five coaches in the history of college football. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't think without I don't even think it's arguable. Yeah, well, yeah. And with Ryan, no, I, I think it's a total different personality. Uh -huh. So, and it was important that Ryan Day not try to be Urban Meyer. Ryan Day needed to be Ryan Day, and I don't know if he has that personality where he's pushing, pushing, pushing all the time. I just think that's not in his makeup, and that's not how he's going to coach a team. And I guarantee you, Urban Meyer told Ryan Day, hey, be Ryan Day. Be who you are. Don't yes. be who I am. You, you, you are the coach of this team because of who Ryan Day is. And guess what? The players responded today just as well as they would have responded to, to um, uh, Urban. And I think with the news, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I am more excited about this defense, maybe because I was – ticked off at the defense mm -hmm. last year because mm -hmm. it was awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. And up to Ohio State standards, I was really pleased with how sound and how well they played today. You know, their teams are going to move the ball a little bit. And remember, on, this, on the last podcast, I said when you're a little bit of a zone defense, you're giving up stuff. Mm -hmm. You're playing a little bit bend but don't break. Well, the, the biggest questions on Twitter, Justin Fields, we addressed that. Offensive line, at times great, at times awful. Uh, expected that from an inexperienced group of young men, uh, but going to get better. They're, they're physically, they're fine. Their communication needs to get better. And the other question was too much zone. Well, last year was too much, man. Did we play too much zone today? When you play zone, you're going to be more, uh, you're, you're playing safe. And that's okay to play safe. It's okay that a teams move up the ball. You're not vulnerable to the huge play over your head. You're not vulnerable like the Maryland game last year when they have five plays over 50 yards for scores. And I think the guys play faster when they're playing uh, zone. So there's a time and place for both, and I think you'll see uh, Madison and Halfley implement it, and they'll get a feel for what the players can do. But I do think they have a lot of good players on this defense. There's a lot of depth in this defense. 
Right now, in my opinion, can change. But right now, my initial impression is they're going to be much better than they were last year. Much better. Uh, I like the zone because they're fast. I would make a team run as many plays as possible to get to More the mistakes, zone. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd give myself a chance. All right. Uh, before the game, I tweeted this Twitter poll as I watch Urban Meyer, who is uh, really good on television. Watched him last night. Watched him good. today. He is really good on television. He looks really relaxed. He looks like he's having fun. And I was thinking, uh, could Urban uh, be Dick Vermeil? You know, Dick Vermeil was an outstanding college coach, not on the level of Urban because he wasn't at it as long. But he was an outstanding college coach, won the Rose Bowl, uh, and then took a long hiatus from coaching, went to TV, then came back, then coached. Would Urban do that? Well, I would thought to myself, what will Urban be doing in three years? So I thought, well, I want to know something like that. I, of course, asked my Twitter followers. So here was the poll. Um, I voted on this, by the way. Good. What is Urban Meyer doing in three years? Is he, the, is he still a Fox College football analyst? Has he replaced Lee Corso on ESPN Game Day? Because he's good. I think they'd like to poach him. Uh, is he coaching at USC? That's the most popular college rumor. Or is he coaching in the NFL? Let's say Freddie Kitchens flames out and Jimmy Haslam offers Urban the job again because he's offered it to him in the past. Can I add one to your? You may, certainly. You can't add it to get votes because there's only four possibilities. Just just for something for the folks to listen to and and you to ponder. Mm -hmm. Uh, How about Urban in a GM, assistant GM, director of scouting role? With the New England Patriots? Uh, With With who? With whoever. Well, I mean, Belichick and he are buddies, and Belichick's probably going to have a, some kind of a sway even after he quits He's coaching. got a relationship with a lot of the pro coaches. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll rank them for you. Okay. Uh, two, I'll tell you that— Most likely first or least uh, likely? Least likely first. Least likely first. Replacing Is? Lee Corso. Okay. Do you have a thing for ESPN? I think he does. Okay. And I think he—now, money talks, <laughs> but I— as Tony Romo is going for $10 million, by the way. Can I, can I get one one-hundredth of that, please? Uh, that, that ain't going to happen, right? I don't think he's going. Coaching at USC. Number four l- most unlikely. So, yeah. Coaching at USC. He's got Leinert and Bush in his ear every day there on Fox. Let's say it's not going ha- to make a difference. It's not going to happen. Okay. Got Brady Quinn there. Should uh, have thrown Notre Dame in there, too? Coaching at Notre Dame for Brian Kelly? More likely Notre Dame, more likely USC. More likely Notre Dame than USC. Easier to get guys into USC. Yes, but you asked me. More guys to get at USC. No. And easier to win in the Pac-12 than to win at Notre Dame. Much easier. Uh, Okay, so number four is Spiel says coaching at USC. Would Notre Dame be higher than that? What's three? Number three would be coaching at Notre Dame. Number two would be coaching. some type of job in the NFL. Okay. Some, Some type, type of, of job. job. Could be a free... Uh, Personnel. But a front office jobs, like, nobody's working 35 hours a week doing a front office job in the NFL. I, I said some type of job, it's whether it be consultant type okay. thing. Uh, the thing... Just, just give people a sense of your brother it's Rick's... insane. Your brother Rick's day as GM of the Minnesota Vikings. It depends what t- uh, time of year, but... I, I would say he's he's in the office. I usually, when I talk to him in the morning, I talk to him at 6.30. So that's 5.30 uh, Central. Minnesota, Central time, Minnesota time. And it could be, I don't know, whenever. He's got a bed in his office, you know, <sighs> especially a day like today when it's cut down day and yeah. all that stuff and trades and free agency and all that things, all those things are happening. I think he's going to, I think he'll be at Fox. I think Fox really likes him. I think he really likes Fox. And I really, truly do think that he's... Uh, Run as a coach is over. Okay. There you go. That's how I vote.
Uh, I would have said that he is um, coaching USC. I just think that job is such a great job for him. You, you Man, the talent they have. I think Shelley would love the Hollywood life. I think uh, the Pac-12. Remember how bad the Big Ten was with coaches and yeah, struggling programs when he got in it? Man, he'd go in there and just rule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'd just rule. Well, it, I I just I think the the demons of the coaching uh, temptation. The longer are, you're away from it, the more you forget. That, yeah. what they're like you forget how hard they bit. All right, I, so uh, here's the here's the, the responses. Forty uh, percent say he's coaching at USC. Twenty nine percent he's doing Fox College football. Twenty six percent replace Corso on game day. So you could say fifty five percent of the people think he's still doing TV. Yeah. Forty uh, percent say he's coaching at USC, and five percent probably people who doubt Freddie Kitchens or Zach uh, Taylor. Hope he's coaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think you want to. I thought that Bengals job made a lot of sense for him with his son Nate down there yeah. in Cincinnati, with he and Shelley being Cincinnati graduates, with Mike Brown being an Ohio State guy, with Mike Brown letting his coach do whatever well, he wants. I think with Urban though, you know Zach Taylor. Who's Zach Taylor? Uh, it, you're trying to get Sean McVay second coming. Mm-hmm. Urban's offense isn't. Sean McVay's offense. Don't so, you think Urban would coach differently in the NFL? He would schematically. Well, he'd have to hire somebody yeah. to help him coach differently yeah. schematically. He yes, he'd have to. You can't do what he wants to do in the NFL. Um, we'll see if the Cliff Kingsbury experiment works out with the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, would you uh, bet that it will, or we'll bet that it won't? Uh, I think it's going to have a hard time. Now there was one other one other oppor- uh, one other option here. Uh, Mark on Twitter at GoVolX uh, said uh, Urban Meyer will be coaching OSU when Ryan Day is in the NFL. <laughs> that Urban could make a comeback at Ohio State, and I did think of that. Wow, I did think so of go that. So go Mac Brown. He he could do that. Yes, uh, Johnny uh, Majors that went back to went Tennessee back to, or Pitt. did he go back to Tennessee? Or did he, he go back to Pitt or t- I don't no, know I think that he went Johnny back Majors to Pitt. went back anywhere. Did he? Yes, I believe he did. He went back to Pitt. Oh, he did go back to Pitt. He had Tony Dorsett, and then he was here in Ohio State for a big beatdown. Coop put on him. Oh, yes. Okay, very, very good. All right, we got one more thing we're going to hit here on this post-game podcast edition of Spielman and Hooley because reports are that former Buckeye Zeke Elliott is going to sign with the Cowboys. The contract talks are intensifying. My position, we don't know the terms. We don't know anything about it. My position on this has been there is no chance I would give him a new deal with two years left on his rookie deal. I know some players, and he's chief among them, outperform their contracts that they're given as rookies. Your beef is not with the owners on that players. Your beef is with your union head and your union brethren who signed that deal because you didn't get to vote on it, and they sold you down the river. How, how old is he? Age-wise. I'm going to guess. 23? Let me look him up here. He came out a year early, correct? He certainly did. So he was probably 20, 21 when he came out. I would, if here's the max thing I would do with Zeke. I would restructure his contract, put four more years on it. That would take him to 20. He's 24. That would take him to 28. That's it. I'd give him four more years. He hits 28. Bye-bye. Thanks for your service. You know my position. I would never give I get that. a running back a second contract. He's, yeah, I, I get that, but he's he's a special he dude. Is special. Now. He is and special. And they're and they're they're in their minds. You want to take advantage of this guy while he's in his prime, and it's mm-hmm. going to cost you to take advantage 
of this guy while he's in his prime. So I would give him up to 28 years old. He's 24 years old. I'd give him, he finishes two years. I'd front load it with signing bonus. Give him nice numbers at the end of it. If you don't like him, cut him at the, at when he's 27. Does Zeke Elliott finish his career as a Dallas Cowboy? No. Percentage chance? Zero. Yeah, I think it's zero, too. Yeah, it's, I could say no that chance. for any running no back. No chance he's finishing his career as Without a injury, Cowboy. say injury-free, zero chance. Yeah, zero chance. And you could say that for him as any running back in the league. Certainly zero can. chance. All right, so we'll have another edition of Spielman Hooley podcast on Monday. We'll talk more about the Buckeyes game. We've got the Browns coming up against the uh, Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel making his return to uh, the Cleveland area where he played in high school. And for the life of me, I can't think who the Bengals are opening with. Do you know? Yeah, the Bengals <laughs> have just gone from a playoff team. We'll have no, it. No, wait, we'll, wait. I, I'm more. Right, you're looking up. Who do you have week Good one? thing I have the Vikings, Falcons at Vikings. Wow, so. Falcons at Vikings. Look at you. That's a really good game. It's a really good game. So I'm looking forward to that. Standing. Kirk then Cousins I, well, year two. You believe in Kirk Cousins year two? Uh, I got to see it right now. I mean, he had a career year last year, but they were seven and Eight one, not a playoff. What's order. the who's the who do the Bengals have? Have you figured I'm, it out yet? I'm calling up Bengals <laughs> schedule on my phone right here. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals open ooh with the Seattle Seahawks. Yowch! Who just Where? today? Where? Uh, the looks to me like uh, that is in Seattle. Hello, All four right. o'clock kick. Uh, Andy Dalton, as if you didn't have enough to contend with with uh, the Seattle Seahawks in that loud stadium, you now have to contend with Jadavion Clowney, who yeah. is a Seattle Seahawk. Would they? Do you know what the terms are? The return like a, of that trade? Like because I was trying to find pick. that. They gave him away for a third. Everybody is saying that the Seahawks fleeced the Houston Texans. Well, Jadavion made it clear he wasn't going to play. You have to get something. That's that's what the uh, the players. I actually thought the That's Brownies the might that make a run at Jadavion Clowney. Why just not? Because John Dorsey like, can't get enough great players there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was uh, quite a little deal for Pete Carroll there. Uh, franchise defensive end Frank Clark. Okay, I thought, wow, Frank Clark and Jadavion Clowney. Uh, a th- and a swap of third-round picks. No, wait, this is different. In April, they sent Frank Clark to the Chiefs. All right, right. this is a backwards way to get into this story, ESPN. <laughs> Why don't you uh, teach them how to write a story, uh, Bruce? You know. Maybe. Uh, uh, <laughs> All right, it's a third round pick. It's they, a third round pick. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll have more on it Monday when we get information. So yeah. So there we go. Again, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker, TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play Music. Follow us on Twitter and email the show. Um, it is Spielman and Hooley Podcast dot com.